Occupational Hazard, Copyright Serenia Murthy, 2019. We were going through some paperwork. Karen's voice had become low and sultry. I thought I'd been imagining it. I didn't want to be the kind of guy who walks around thinking every woman who gives him the time of day is secretly holding a torch for him. Karen's my boss. She's also 20 years my senior. And last but not least, she's married. I've met her family. And you know how I feel about splitting up families. Turns out she'd met my family as well, one of them. So I ran into your father earlier today, she said. She began. Oh, I said, not reaching into my usual truckload of comebacks. I was already feeling a little uncomfortable because I was picking up this weird vibe from her. My face was burning. I attempted to focus on the paperwork and block it out. It's kind of my go-to maneuver. I've had plenty of practice at blocking out undesirable situations. He's an awfully handsome man, Karen reflected. I felt myself blush at the way she was calling him handsome. It just had a really weird sound coming out of her mouth. It hadn't bugged me when the media had dubbed Dad the third most attractive spouse of a government official, and all the anchor woman had swooned while attempting to dissect his personal aesthetics. It hadn't even bugged me when some of the teachers at school had crooned over how dreamy, they are phrasing, they found the great Henry McCord. I knew they'd never actually try anything. They were content to confine their admiration to words. This had a different flavor. I felt indignant on behalf of mom and uncomfortable on behalf of me and something else. One thing I did not feel was flattered. I can assure you that I did not even think of feeling flattered. I have never felt less flattered in my life. Little did I know that it was about to get worse. I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, she continued, and I felt the light touch of her fingers run up my forearm. My head snapped up, and I'm sure if there had been a camera trained on my visage, my expression would have been that very comic moment in the movie theater where everyone spontaneously bursts into laughter at the sight of yet another youngling who cannot even begin to process the fact that Mrs. Robinson is coming on to him. There was nothing funny about it to me. I bit my lip and rapidly edged away from her. Take it from me, there was nothing comic about that either. Jason, she linked her arm with mine. The smell of her perfume momentarily overwhelmed me. I don't think we should be doing this, I heard myself say. I mean, it was after hours, it was dark outside, and the lighting was subdued and mellow inside. Somehow, this had become true even though it was still indisputably an office environment. I mentally vowed that I would never work late again. I mean, what did I know about the marital problems she might be experiencing that would cause her to even contemplate? Doing what? She laughed her tinkling laugh. It grated on my nerves. We haven't even started anything. Her hand was on my wrist, applying gentle pressure. Her soft breath was caressing the skin around my ear. It was like she was a freaking mistral or something. I flinched and tried to pull away. What if someone walked in on us? What if... What if Dad walked in on us? He'd never believe it wasn't my fault, that I hadn't played ball, so to speak, or worse, that I hadn't initiated it. He'd proceed to lecture me on how disappointed he was that I could take advantage of a defenseless woman twenty years my senior. It was the thought of this that snapped me out of my stupor. I really wouldn't be able to take it, nor was I going to. I pulled away from Karen, I mean Miss Schmidt, almost forcibly stupid first name basis 
I should have known it would get me into trouble one of these days. I don't want to do this, I said uncomfortably but still forcefully. You're my boss and you're a married woman. Let's just, you know, keep it professional. I coughed, by which I mean, please don't touch me. She didn't really take no for an answer. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but she started to paw me. I tried to push her off. The doorknob rattled. I realized that it was locked, but thankfully, I still had the use of my voice. Come in, I bellowed. Of course, they couldn't, but it was sufficient to have given indication that someone was within. Miss Schmidt pulled away from me and began patting down her hair. I went over and opened the door. It was the night custodian. I've never been so glad to see anyone in my life. I quit, I tossed over my shoulder before I quit, I tossed over my shoulder before leaving. Outside, the cool fresh air calmed me down a little. My face was burning and my heart was going a mile a minute. I leaned against the wall, pressing the base of my skull into the hard brick. Its realism comforted me. I took several deep breaths, and when I felt composed enough to drive, I got into the Volkswagen and drove home. I had to make it I had to make it fast. I didn't want to risk running into Karen again. My face burned at the recollection. As I drove home, I found myself thinking that I had never really been in any danger. Without putting too fine a point on it, I outweighed her, even if we were the same height. If Bush came to shove, so to speak, I could have easily fought her off. I was just being civil. But I found myself thinking, was this how the girls had felt during their encounters at college? I made up my mind to ask them about it when I got home, but I didn't get the chance. As I entered the foyer, I heard Karen's voice fill the hall. At first I stiffened, thinking she had actually come in person, but then I realized she was leaving an impassioned plea on the answering machine, entreating me not to quit. Of course, she didn't say what had led up to it. Of course, she didn't say anything about what had led up to it. She just went on about my potential and the impulsive nature of my decision. I was leaving her short-handed. I'll say, and my entire family was standing around listening, and my entire family was standing around listening. They turned when they saw me. I'll confess that I didn't like the look in Dad's eye. Why do people leave messages on landlines? As my fingertips touched, as my fingertips touched the cell phone in my pocket, I realized the answer. I'd blocked her contact. With apologies to Queen, another one bites the dust. There was a silence after the message finally ended. We stared at each other. I pushed my hair off my forehead. I concluded that it was on me to start. So, I said when no one else said anything, how was everyone else's day? They all looked at each other. Dad folded his arms. Girls, give us the room, he said. They left. Jason, why'd you quit? Dad asked when, we thought they, when he thought they were out of earshot. I shrugged. I'd grown weary of that scene. Okay, we'll have to come back to that, he said. Don't you think you owe her two weeks' notice? No, I replied. I don't owe her anything. Dad let out a scoff of indignation. I don't, I reminded him. I signed a contract that said the arrangement can be concluded by either party without notice once it ceases to be mutually beneficial. And boy, had it ceased to be mutually beneficial. Don't throw your legalese at me, Dad snapped. Civility... I tuned him out and played word bingo. Common courtesy, blah, blah, blah. When are you going to stop being so self-indulgent and grow up and learn to face life in the real world? Dad exploded. Oh, I was being self-indulgent? 
I folded my arms and met his gaze level. When I move out, I replied. Dad scoffed again. Dad, just because I don't live my life exactly the way you do does not make it any less of the real world. How are you going to pay for college? He demanded. I'll get another job. When? Where? What are you even qualified to do? He sounded triumphant. I don't know. I mean, this just happened tonight. Give me a little time. You just never think anything through, do you? His voice was hard. You never think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, forget this. I started to go upstairs, but Dad wasn't done. Don't you walk away from me, he yelled. I stopped halfway up the stairs and turned to face him. Fine, I said, throwing my hands up in the air. What do you want from me? He looked mildly bewildered by my sudden acquiescence. He quickly recovered. You come downstairs this minute and call her back, he said. Tell her you made a mistake, that you're sorry. The hairs on the back of my neck started to stand up. I had to nip this in the bud. I folded my arms. No, I said. He looked astounded. I'm not doing that, I repeated for his benefit. He marshaled his thoughts. Jason, he said, drumming his fingers on the handrail. If you... He swallowed something apparently hard and jagged. Walk away from this opportunity. He paused. I waited. I can promise you this. We, he indicated mom, are not paying for your college. Fine, I said after a pause. Then maybe I won't go. They were both stymied. Dad regained his voice. Well, what do you propose to do? He demanded. I wasn't about to let him put me on the spot for an immediate answer. I don't know, I replied, drumming my fingers on the handrail. But I can tell you one thing. It's not going to be around here. That made him sit up and take notice. I'll still move out, I assured him. So you don't have to worry. Just give it until graduation. I'll be someone else's problem after that. I went upstairs and closed my bedroom door, but not before I heard Mom say in a low, murderous tone, Someone else's problem? Dad attempted to put forth an argument for the defense, but I didn't hear much of it. I put on my earbuds, fired up Mrs. Dalloway on Audible, and pretty soon I was out like a light.